Good evening, Susan. Good evening, Jersey Joe. How are you tonight? I'm great. How are you doing on this election day? Great. Did you see the fabulous moon outside tonight? I did there. The blood moon? Yeah. We're not going to get another one like that till 2025, I understand. Yeah. So, uh, and hey, you haven't eaten dinner yet, have you? I have not. Well, well, we're we're a little short on time tonight, so we'll try to get this out of the way. Hey, as usual, we have a, a pretty, a pretty full agenda. So let me tell you what we're going to try to squeeze in today. We may not get it all, but um, uh, yeah, again, the the name of the show is the situation with Jersey Joe. News and perspective you won't hear on TV. Uh, you're going to hear some news stories you won't hear, and and maybe. Yeah, uh, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, because some of the stuff you hear on TV, you only hear one side. Uh, my quote of the day is going to be about how we, how people tend to judge programs based on what their intentions rather than their results. On our science minute, we'll talk about the difference between fission and fusion nuclear reactions and why fusion reactors are the best hope for a virtually unlimited supply of clean energy. Uh, today's question of the day, political question, is how many mistakes can the President of the United States make in a two-and-a-half-minute speech? Our taxpayer relief shot comes from Lithia, Florida, where two armed intruders break into the home and begin to beat um, uh, beat the husband uh, while holding him at gunpoint, and he is saved by his wife, who is eight months pregnant. Does that sound like an interesting one? Yeah, and I'm also curious to know what the election results are, but we might not know for a day or two. Yeah, unfortunately, we'll have to wait till next week to talk about them. Anyway, let's start about our quote of the day. Uh, once again, from Milton Friedman, the late Milton Friedman, who was a, award, a Nobel Award winning economist. And, and he said, one of the greatest mistakes is to judge policies and programs by their intentions rather than their results. An example of, of that is uh, back in 1964, uh, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson declared a war on poverty. Uh, and that was over 60 years ago, or actually coming up on 60 years ago. And today, the percentage of Americans who are classified as living in poverty is almost identical to what it was in 1964. But over the past 58 years, we have spent in excess of $20 trillion, quote, on the war on poverty. And uh, producer Sue, do you have a graphic that you can bring up on screen for me? I just want to show you how many. I do. Um, that that program, uh, it, what you're looking at, that is a graphic, and I don't expect you'd be able to read it, but that is a graphic of over 200 poverty programs that the U.S. and some of the states have in place, and they range from everything from. Uh, the SNAP program, which is food stamp, uh, welfare, which is temporary assistance to needy family. Medicaid is a poverty program. It's medical care, free medical care for the for people living in poverty. Section 8 housing allowances, Obama phones, school lunch and school breakfast programs, Head Start preschool daycare, SSI disability, Pell College tuition grants. Uh, we have over 200 I'm going to try to get that graphic up on the Jersey Joe website. But again, the all of those policies, you know, there's a saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. If you say, well, should we have a program that does this? Well, you know, yeah, those are those are great. Yeah, of course, that's a noble objective. But then you have to at some point you have to look back and say, is it accomplishing what we thought it was? And if it isn't, then should we kill it? Should we pull a bullet in its head? 
And if you look at those two, these 200 programs, it's just stunning, stunning how many programs we have out there, $20 trillion, and we haven't made a dent in the percentage of people. And by the way, each one of those programs comes with an administrative staff. And, and Susan, I know you work in a bureaucracy. Uh, we all know how, you know, how inefficient bureaucracies are and what they cost. You know, people say, well, yeah, we send money to the federal government, but it sends it back to the states. Well, if you send a dollar to the federal government, the states, you know, the state is lucky to get back 72 cents after administrative overhead. Um, and I'm going to use it. By the way, any comment before I move on? So I know we yeah, th this is just, you know, it makes your eyes go across. There, there's got to be a better way to streamline this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Consolidate. First of all, first thing you should do is look at these programs and say, you know, We've been doing this for 10 years. It's not working. Let's kill it. And then the ones that are having some degree of success, you ought to say, you know, we ought to be able to combine and consolidate these under, you know, one department as opposed to having a separate department. Because each one of these programs has its own little fiefdom. And each fiefdom has, and by the way, bureaucrats are expensive. Even if you only pay a bureaucrat, you know, let's say you pay some, you know, uh, GSA level eight, they're only making $75,000 a year with their benefits and pension and health plan, their cost in office space and phone and computers, they're costing you $150,000 a piece. There has to be a better way to do it. So uh, anyway, I'll try to get that graphic up on my, on the website. Uh, but let's, but on the topic of inefficiency and uh, intentions, so let me ask you a question. If you were the shareholder of a company that had just reported a loss of over a billion dollars and then you discovered that the top six executives of that company that had lost a billion dollar had been given bonuses totaling more than $1.3 billion, each, including, by the way, a bonus of $300,000 um, that was given to the just the company's chief legal counsel. The guy's a lawyer. His $300,000 bonus brought his compensation to $653,000. If you were a shareholder in that company, would you be upset? Absolutely. Well, guess what? You are a shareholder in that company because the company that I just described is Amtrak, the U.S. government railroad system. It's been losing hundreds of millions of dollars each year and is being kept afloat by taxpayer subsidies. And here's a quote from a story. In 2021, bonuses of over 200000 per Amtrak executive amounted to over half of their total compensation. Meanwhile, the company were doled out, they claimed they were doled out due to performance. Well, that performance included a $1.03 billion loss for fiscal year 2021. Um, and again, I think the, the, the smallest of those bonuses were $261,000. Amtrak's uh, vice president, senior management also said, by the way, um, he doubts that Amtrak will ever be profitable. Now, the intent of Amtrak was noble to provide uh, uh, low cost, you know, intercity transportation or cross country to, to the underprivileged. But at this point, given how much they're losing and how low their ridership is, by the way, I had a friend in Denver took Amtrak one day to to Florida from from Denver. You know how long it took him to get to Florida from Orlando from Denver? I want to say probably close to a week. Uh, four days, and that you know, and no shower. Same clothes. You know, he could go in the bathroom and, you know, put a clean T-shirt on. But, you know, you're sleeping upright in a chair. You know, he didn't want to spring for a sleeper car. It took him four days. And I think the the cost of the uh, the, the ticket was like $400. You, 
you can fly to you know, you can get a flight to uh, Orlando from Denver for about 180 bucks. So uh, and be there in four hours and be there in four hours direct nonstop. So uh, this this whole concept of a national high speed rail network, which, by the way, in one of my previous uh, episodes, I talked about how California has been trying to complete a single 380 mile stretch of high speed rail from San Francisco to L.A. They've been at it now for 15 years. They're predicting they won't be done for another 10 and it's going to cost them billions of dollars. Um, both the state of California and Amtrak would be better to just buy everybody a free airline ticket and just shut the whole thing down because Amtrak said we will never be profitable. And if we started sinking trillions into a high-speed rail network, and by the way, I doubt we would ever see, and you can't run high-speed rail, by the way, on the existing tracks. Most of Amtrak's tracks are belong to other railroads, and they're not suitable for trains that can do 180 miles an hour. So they're talking about laying whole, you know, new railroad track lines. It would be decades before you ever saw that happen. And after it was all done, it'd be cheaper to buy everybody an air, airplane ticket. All right, moving on with light speed. So you know the difference between fission and fusion? Uh, I I do, but I, I don't think I can explain it very well. And I know that one of them is a future energy source. Right. Well, they first of all, control it. you know, people have, have used the words atomic bomb and H-bomb. H-bomb stands for hydrogen bomb. And they've used them interchangeably, but they're really not. The, the first bombs that were dropped on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki were atomic bombs. They were based on uranium. Uranium is a very large atom. It's got 238 uh, protons and neutrons. And when you split it, you split it into smaller atoms. And uh, Einstein came up with the equation said E, which stands for energy is equal mass times the speed of light squared. And what that equation means is that mass and energy are interchangeable. You can convert energy into mass and mass can be converted into energy. And the relationship between the two, if you convert mass into energy, if you convert one gram of mass into energy, that one gram of mass, you multiply it by the speed of light squared, and that's how much energy you'll get out of it. So in the, an atomic bomb where you take uranium as your fuel source and you split that uranium atom into two smaller atoms, the total weight or the total mass of the two smaller atoms is less than the weight of the original uranium atom. And that loss of mass is what's converted into energy. Well, <clears throat> fast forward 40 years, um, the other way you can get uh, convert uh, mass into energy is if you smash four hydrogen atoms together to form a helium atom. Hydrogen is the, is the most basic of all atoms. It's one proton with one electron. Well, if you smash four of those together, you get one helium atom. And a helium atom has four protons and four neutrons. But the weight of that helium atom is slightly less than the weight of those four hydrogen atoms. And that lost mass becomes energy. And that energy, when you dr drop in a hydrogen H-bomb or hydrogen bomb, it's that explosion. Well, fission is, uh, and by the way, the sun, all stars, are products of fission reaction. What's happening in the sun is that hydrogen, which is the most uh, uh, prevalent uh, uh, element in the universe, all stars are based upon hydrogen being 
forced together into heat and pressure into helium, and then helium is being combined into other atoms, uh, more complex atoms. And that's what's powering the sun. Well, a hydrogen bomb is like a sun going off all at once. And so fission, they're now, uh, they've come up with the fission in the laboratory, which is basically a hydrogen bomb in slow motion. It's basically slowing down the reaction that takes place when we, you know, when we explode a hydrogen bomb. Now, the, the huge benefit is when you split uranium, those two byproducts are also radioactive and you have radioactive waste to deal with. When you drop a hydrogen bomb, there is no radiation. There is no radio, nothing was radioactive to start with. And when you're all done, there's no nothing radioactive when you finish. So uh, fission, uh, excuse me, fusion reaction are, that's what's great about, nothing is great about a bomb, but atomic bombs based on uranium leave a radioactive contamination when they're done. An H-bomb is just this massive release of energy uh, and there is no lingering radiation. So what they're trying to accomplish with fusion reactors is to create energy by fusing hydrogen into helium. We probably won't see it in my lifetime, but if I had to guess in 20 or 30 years from now, uh, we might see we might see viable fusion reactors. So that's our science minute. I, I've seen them do it on on a small scale, but not anything like you said, they need they need to be able to do it on a larger scale. Right. Well, we do it on a larger scale when we explode a hydrogen bomb, but it's uncontrolled. So what we need to do is figure out how to set off a hydrogen bomb in slow motion. All right. Um, so today's political question of the day, if you were the president of the United States and you were going to give a two and a half minute speech, how many how many how many mistakes do you think you, you would make in, in a two and a half minute speech? Uh, in two and a half minutes, I would hope none. <laughs> right. Maybe well, one. All right. Well, I'm going to take you to a clip. Do you know who Debbie Wasserman Schultz is? Uh, no. Well, she used to be the head of the Democratic National Committee. She's currently a congressman from Florida. And Biden was on a campaign stop in Florida. And he was being introduced by Deb Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who, by the way, has been a, is a, she's a congresswoman. She's never, ever been in the Senate. But Biden starts off by by talking about how she was in the Senate with him. So I want you to listen. He forgets what he forgets what FEMA federal manager federal manager federal management federal emergency management uh, administration stands for. He forgets the name of the hurricane that hit Florida. He talks about the war in Iraq when he meant when he meant the war in Ukraine. He talks about his son, Bo Biden, dying in Iraq. Bo Biden died of a brain tumor in Walter Reed Hospital uh, in Bethesda, Maryland. He did not die in Iraq. He claimed he met the man who discovered insulin. It was two guys. Both of them died before Biden was ever born, yet he claims to have met the man who discovered insulin. And just to top it all off, at the end, he busts out in his southern best southern accent. So I'm going to play two and a half minutes We'll start with Debbie Wasserman Schultz introducing President Biden. Here we go. People I represent. Okay, just wanted to make sure you were still here. So she was one of my biggest, biggest supporters in helping me not only pass, but draft and move some of the legislation we're going to talk about today, a couple pieces of it. And uh, I don't have a greater friend 
in the United States Senate. And I don't have a greater friend when I was vice president, nor as president. So Debbie, thank you, kiddo. I don't know where you're sitting, but and FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Assistance, is going door to door to reach people as well. Last time I was in Florida was almost a month ago because of Hurricane Ivan. Ivan, excuse me. And they talk about inflation. You know, we're dealing with that for one second. By the way, did we have a hurricane Ian, uh, Ivan? Did we have uh, a hurricane? Yeah, I, there was actually um, a few years ago. There was not Ivan, but not this year. This year we had no, it, no, no, uh, not this year. It was no. several years ago. So he talked about Hurricane Ivan. He he meant to say Hurricane Even, uh, Ian rather, not Ivan. But uh, here we go. We're going to continue. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now. Because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. And uh, I think of Iraq because that's where my son died. I think of Iraq because that's where my son died. No, Joe, your son died at Walter Reed Hospital in Bethesda, Maryland, of a brain tumor. He did not die in Iraq. Yeah, because he died. I, you know, I have a bad reputation of why he's not partisan enough. Well, in this one, I'm partisan. That they're, uh, you know, that's why it's up. We have the lowest inflation rate of almost any. No, Japan has a, the inflation rate in Japan is 3%. Uh, is Japan a major country? Yes. Well, he just said we have the low. What's our inflation rate? Is it 8.2%? Uh, I, I, I don't know the exact number, but I was going to say around six maybe but i don't no, know it's, it's, i number. believe it's 8.2 percent. it was as high as 8.5 it's come down to 8.2 but um he just said we have the lowest inflation rate of any major country i checked the other day japan's at three percent but let's keep going major country in the world you know we're all, we're going to charge i'm making this up we're going to charge you 10 cents per an aspirant and they say no we're only going to pay five well we're not going to sell it to no problem they're going to lose 50 billion naps aspirin or whatever the hell they sell how many of you know somebody with diabetes needs insulin? Well, guess what? And we, when we, when when we, when Debbie and I passed this law, it included everybody, not just seniors. And so what happened was we said, okay, you know how much it costs to make that insulin drug for diabetes? Cost it was invented by a man who did not patent it because he wanted it available for everyone. I spoke to the man who patented insulin. The man who patented insulin, uh, the last one died in 1941. Biden was born in 1942. So he's claiming that he spoke to the man who patented who patented insulin and uh, who died a year before he was born. Okay. The senator from Florida going after Medicare and Social Security. I tell you what, I don't know where, as I say, the Southern doesn't know where y'all been. Oh, damn, boy. That's what I call inflation. At the end of the month, what you have left. You have no money. That's yeah, that, that, Y'all, he, he breaks that as Southern accent. Anyway, so that was um, six whoppers he told in two and a half minutes uh, with the closing with his uh, fake Southern drawl. So that, that was that was our president. Um, let's see, how, how are we doing on time? Uh, you have about 15 minutes left. All right. Tell you what. Um, let's talk about a little. Uh, this wasn't on the uh, agenda, but um, this is a little safety tip. 
uh, don't know, most people don't know this, but um, do you know, Sue, that uh, uh, a crook can break it? If you, do you have an electric garage door opener in your garage? I do. Do you know that a crook can break, if you have an electric garage door opener, particularly if you have a window, you have windows in your garage door? Uh, a small one. No, not in the door. Sorry, no. They're okay. not in the door. They're on the side of the house. Well, um, and I hope we've got no bad guys listening to this, but uh, it is with a coat hanger. If you have an electric garage door opener, particularly if there's a window in your garage door, uh, you can take a coat hanger, put a little hook in it. You know where the weather stripping is or the, where the top of the garage door? Mm -hmm. If you just take a coat hanger and poke it up through there, you know, all garage doors have this little cord hanging down the emergency. When the power goes out, you can pull the handle to release the garage door and raise your garage door manually. Yep. Well, if you just put a coat hanger in there and uh, with a little hook on the end of the coat hanger, just grab and pull on that little latch, you release the garage door opener mm -hmm. and you can just roll the garage door up. So if you're going away for the weekend, you're going to be out of town for a week. Um, uh you you want to put you can buy but you can go to Home Depot and buy a little like a sliding bolt lock for, made for garage door openers for about ten bucks, um, but you want to you want to somehow jam your garage door so it can't be locked. If you don't have one of those, you can put a screwdriver in the roller track or something. But bad guys know all about this, so if you're going to be gone for a week or even a three day weekend, uh, consider. Uh, putting something in the in your roller track so that nobody can raise your garage door now by the way it's a little hint if you ever lock yourself out of the house rather than break a window mm -hmm. just get yourself a borrow coat hanger from your neighbor and just reach up grab that little emergency release latch and pull it down and, and boom you've just opened your garage door mm -hmm. so that's the way you can get into your house all right uh, we've moved pretty quick. So you got any questions, anything I've, I've raced through today? No, again, I I'm still just, I'm, I'm dying to know the results of this election and I don't think we're going to get there tonight. No, unfortunately, uh, maybe by tomorrow morning, we'll get, uh, some, uh, I think you'll start to see a trend. I mean, if you're seeing, you know, a lot of, uh, Republicans winning congressional seats, uh, like in blue States, or like, if you see, the challenger in New York state unseat the incumbent Democrat governor. I think that would bode well for the West coast, by the way, speaking of the West coast on uh, powerball today, somebody in, in uh, California won. There was one winner in Florida. Uh, it was a $2.04 billion lottery, but that's if you take it over 20 years, if you take the cash option, which you always should, you would get $980 million. Do you know what the top state income tax rate is in Florida, in uh, California? Uh, I imagine it's pretty high. Try 12.3%. Oh, <laughs> so whoever won it in California out of their 980 million cash, uh, first thing in California is going to take $120 million. Thank you very much. And at a 37% top tax rate, um, the federal government is going to take another 370 million. Well, 370 to the federal government 120 million to the state of California, uh, 370, 120. Last time I looked is what, 490? So out of your $980 million cash prize, you get to keep exactly half. So the biggest, so the biggest winner in the lottery last night was the federal government in the state of California, because they're going to get as much money as you did out mm -hmm. of the deal. <laughs> and they didn't have to spend money on a ticket. <laughs> right. All right. 
so taxpayer relief shots. Um, for people who haven't heard me do these before, I don't do these because we celebrate, you know, we, we're not celebrating thugs who get killed. What we are celebrating is the, the, the constitutional right of people who uh, use the legal deadly force to protect the, their own lives and the lives of others from death or serious bodily injury. And again, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not laughing and applauding when the bad guys get killed, but uh, people use guns to protect themselves and the lives of their loved ones and occasional lives of bystanders. Uh, it happens multiple times every week. In, in fact, uh, the most recent study out of Georgetown said that it happens uh, several hundred times a week. Most frequently, uh, the good guy with the gun merely has to display a gun, simply has to open his jacket and say, I've got a gun, leave me alone. Um, and that happens, according to the one study out of Georgetown, over a million times a year. People say they've, they simply displayed a gun and that was enough to stop an attempted robbery or stop an attempted assault. But uh, I want to play for you uh, how the sheriff of Santa Rosa County, uh, Florida, how, how he feels about people using legal deadly force. Somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Hopefully, you'll save taxpayers' money. Sue, and how is that audio on your end? Sounds good to me. All right. Uh, let's, let's get, we have another sheriff out of Florida. And that's uh, Grady, Pol uh, Grady Judd out of Polk County. And here's what Grady, Sheriff J. Grady Polk has to say. Here we go. I would highly suggest that if a looter breaks into your home, comes into your home while you're there to steal stuff, that you take your gun and you shoot him. You shoot him so that he looks like grated cheese. So there you have it. Two sheriffs out of uh, Florida, both saying, if you're confronted by a bad guy, um, you know, we encourage you to shoot him because it's going to save the taxpayers money. Because again, if the thug gets arrested, it's a court appointed attorney, appeals, 60 to $80,000 a year to keep the guy in jail. Um, uh, and then if he gets probation, then there's probationary, you know, he's got to report to the probation officer. Anyway, this comes out of uh, out of Florida, where two armed thugs break into a guy's house and they they start to beat him. And his wife was eight months pregnant in the back bedroom. And here's the commotion. So here's this story out of Florida. To his wife, I've got a fractured eye socket. I'm going to back this up and restart. It's like something out of a movie. Tonight, he tells me he owes his life to his wife. I've got a fractured eye socket, a fractured sinus cavity, a concussion. Uh, 20 stitches and three staples in my head. Um, I took a severe beating. The bruises and swelling on Jeremy King's face tell the story of a man on the receiving end of a brutal attack. But his actual account is far more harrowing than his injuries suggest. They came in heavily hooded, masked. Uh, as soon as they ripped my back door open, they already had a pistol on me and was grabbing my 11-year-old daughter. King is talking about the men who barged into his home on Old Welcome Road in Lithia around 9 o'clock Wednesday night. He says he doesn't know who they are, never met them, and has no idea why he was targeted. Both men pointed guns at him while demanding money. And when I'm telling him I have nothing for you, they got this backpack and gun in my face saying, give me everything you've got. And I'm saying, I have nothing for you. I have nothing for you. It became real violent real fast. King says one of the men started pistol whipping him while another kicked him repeatedly in the head. King's wife, who was eight months pregnant, 
was in the back bedroom and peeked out to see what was going on. That's when King says one of the masked men shot at her. She retreated, grabbed an AR-15, and returned fire. When he came towards the back door in her line of sight, she clipped him. He made it from my back door roughly 200 feet out in the front ditch before uh, the, the AR did its thing. Deputies who responded to this scene found a man dead in a nearby ditch. The other man ran off after the shot was fired. Them guys came in with two normal pistols. My AR stopped it. Pretty much she even the playing field and kept them from killing him. Authorities are still looking for the second suspect. Meanwhile, King tells me he's waiting to see if there will be any lasting damage to his eye. On scene in Lithia, Dave Jordan, Spectrum News. Sue, what do you think of that one? Good for her. <laughs> Good for her. Um, by the way, a couple of notes. How many times, you notice that two of them came in, one gets shot and killed, and, the, and his buddy runs off and leaves and is mm -hmm. like, see you later. Have we ever seen one where the where his buddy sticks around and tries to save him or tries to drag him out to the car? Is it just always, well, see you later, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they expect you to fight back. No, they don't. Um, and um, by the way, if uh, you if you had to pick up uh, an AR-15, I know you don't own one, but if you had to pick one up, you think you knew you could know how to fire it? Probably. Yep. So kudos to that woman. She's eight months pregnant. But you couldn't see the video. I'll put a link up on the website or Susan will put uh, the guy, his face. I mean, his eyes swollen shut. He's got stitches in his face. They beat the living crap out of him. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, uh, one of the thugs wound up uh, DRT dead right there because his wife had the presence of mind to not be a victim. She grabbed her husband's gun and fired back at the guy who was shooting at her and beating her husband. So uh, again, uh, there's never any short. I could I could spend a half an hour playing just from last week, one story after another. These are not rare, isolated incidents. They happen every single time. Anyway, with that, we're getting close to running out of time. Uh, I want to thank all of you who listen to the podcast for giving up 30 minutes out of your busy day to listen to me ramble on about things that I find of interest and importance. I know we went through them with um, lightning speed, but on uh, topics like fission and fusion reactions, if that piques your interest, just go on the internet. Google's your friend. You know, Google, Google fusion reactors, uh, fusion, you know, energy from fusion, if you're interested in learning more. Uh, I'll try but to put remember up everything you read on the internet is not true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I, 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 uh, I, Abraham Lincoln reminded me of that. So I'm, I'm well aware of that. I, I want to thank Abraham Lincoln. But, but again, fusion, uh, fusion is, I think, the future of energy. Uh, and maybe, Susan, in your lifetime, uh, we will see fusion clean fusion reactors. And again, the fuel source is hydrogen. Uh, you can't do any better than that. Anyway, as I mentioned, if you want to see some of the materials and story links you heard me talk about, you can find them on the Jersey Joe uh, website. Uh, that's Jersey uh, with a Z, J-E-R-Z-E-E, jerseyjoe.com. Uh, if you want to email me with a comment, question, or suggested show topic, you can do that by sending a uh, an email to joe at jerseyjoe.com. Just remember to spell jersey, J-E-R-Z-E-E. -E. Um, and that's all I got, Sue. Anything you want to add before we wrap up? Nope. Hopefully we'll have some election discussion next week. All right. You learn anything new today? Uh, I mean, I I, I heard, you know, I, I know what fission and fusion are, but I, I, I had seen a segment on it recently about, you know, but I, I wasn't quite sure how to explain it. Well, I think it's the most exciting thing we got going for us. And um bet you didn't know that your tax dollars are going to pay a billion dollars in bonuses to Amtrak yeah. executives who are losing a billion dollars a year. 
All right. With that, Sue, we'll wrap up and I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you, Jersey Joe. I right, talk to you then, Sue. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.